Welcome to the show today, Mr. Cody Collins, a former teammate of mine. We go way back with, you know, playing baseball as young as eight years old, maybe even younger than that. So uh, we've got him on the show today, a college baseball player from Bangor, Maine, played at Arizona Christian and then Husson University. So uh, he's got a, an awesome story to tell and, and now currently doing some local pitching lessons and the whole thing, you know, let him tell his own story. Mr. Cody Collins there. Thank you for having being taking the time to be on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Let's do it. So I want to hear the whole story with, you know, you, you play class D high school in Maine, which I think you graduating class had 12 people, maybe like 20, 20. Let's okay. Not so short change the eight kids here. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me how this all came to be with college baseball from a graduating class of 20. No, I mean, I remember my, I had the fortune of like, my dad played college baseball. So, I mean, I remember growing up, um, my dad just always told me like, if you're good teams will find you regardless. And that's just kind of the thing I always, um, held on to. Cause I mean, like you said, we, we were, uh, teammates and go way back and like Bangor had plenty of success in high school and whatnot. And, you know, like you have the conversations of, should I transfer to a bigger school? Should I just stay where I'm at? And, uh, you know, fortunately I, I stayed at BC. We had some good success in baseball, uh, won a couple state championships and, uh, yeah, I mean, got hurt at the end of it, you know, I mean, goodness, I was, we'd won three state championships. I was, player of the year junior year and like everything's looking up like um you know going to showcase season like recruiting season your junior year and you're like all right like let's see what's out there and unfortunately got hurt so uh yeah just honestly even through high school ball and you know not to shortchange class d because i think there's a lot of kids that can play but you know just the game's a little bit slower than what we were used to in summer ball and whatnot so um, you know, get your work in, in class D and then really when it switched over to summer balls where you like, all right, let's, let's see where you measure up. But, uh, elbow, elbow fought me as, uh, as I'm sure you've experienced as well. Yeah. I had, I was able to postpone my elbow for a little bit longer, but you were still able to, uh, get a deal done to go out to, to Arizona Christian. You want to kind of take me through the recruiting process for that? For sure. Yeah. Like, um, so we had the underclass game that most kids go to uh, in the area for within Maine and um, got a ton of division three stuff that I'll be honest, uh, I didn't look at. I was dead set on, I'm not going to a division three school. I'm going somewhere on scholarship. Um, so just kept my options open really. Um, you know, junior year of high school, I was low eighties, but you know, every time I was able to pitch against, um, good competition. Like I was able to hold my own, um, and really, I mean, stood out in D, but you know, you could hold your own against the upper echelon of, you know, competition in Maine. So, um, really was like that tweener, um, not quite like didn't throw quite hard enough to be like a bona fide division one prospect, but was really through too hard to be a lot of, you know, to make the uh, threshold for division three as well. So, talked to Trimper a little bit and talked to a couple other schools and mostly was preferred walk-on status. That was pretty much the general consensus that if I was going to play division one ball, it was going to be uh, as a walk-on. But, uh, you know, as every kid does in high school, I had my, um, 
my stuff out everywhere. I had some video and got an email one day from Bill Swift and kind of laughed. I was like, there's, there's no way this is Bill Swift that played at UMaine and played in the pros. It was, I mean, straight up, like we talked for a couple days. Um, he invited me out there. So went out there, talked to him and decided that that's where I was going to go. Um, had done a small athletic scholarship and then, um, unfortunately with the injury lost that in the process, but either way I had signed on to go out to Arizona Christian and, uh, definitely stepped into uh, a new light of baseball that's outside of Bangor, Maine. <laughs> Believe it. I, I, that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people, um, who are listening to this, you know, maybe have the aspirations and, and hopes to take their game to a division one level. And, you know, they, they see themselves as the top of the ranks in Maine and, you know, maybe they've even, you know, touched the waters of a New England, you know, summer league circuit or something like that. But as you can attest, Bill Swift being a number two overall MLB draft pick and now having his own program in Arizona, Arizona, I can tell you from just the experience that I've had, it's a whole different ball game out there where your high school games have MLB scouts there. There's general managers coming out to watch high school games, which people in Maine are like, the like general manager of the real team, like the Red Sox, like, Oh yeah. And there's multiple. So like, can you touch on a little bit of the uh, difference between Maine high school, Arizona, just kind of the whole climate that is baseball in Arizona? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, for starters, I walked into the pitching room day one meeting room. I'm like one of two arms that are under six foot. And the other kid was a transfer from Louisville that threw 95. So like, right away I'm like geez I'm out of place like everybody here like we had a lefty that was 6'10 I mean just like pure size like everything is just it's different um and you learn very quickly that you're not in Maine anymore but um the fun part about it is you get to like it really brings out a different side of you as far as competition goes like as as I'm sure you experienced with division one I mean every time you look through a lineup, you watch these kids in BP and they can all put it out pretty easily. You know, they're gap to gap powers. They're just all impressive. And you're like, all right, let's go. I mean, I'm going to stack my stuff up against theirs. Um, but you know, the other thing was I honestly never heard of NAIA baseball. Didn't even know it was a thing. Cause it's not in new England really. So right. um, I had no idea what it was going to be like and certainly realized that like, I mean, this just goes for anybody that's evaluating schools. Don't write something off just because you've never heard of it. Uh, do your research. Um, I definitely didn't as far as what kind of competition I was getting myself into, but definitely gained a bigger appreciation for NAI baseball. I mean, um, I would put it somewhere. It's probably on par, like your good teams are on par with division two, like really that I think there's division one and division two of NAI, like your division one stud NAI teams like they'll play midweek games against division one programs that could win just because their aces will stack can beat midweek guys in division one. Um, right. and then, you know, you fall, it's really just a depth thing as it is like in division two as well, just like you get deeper into the roster and the talent falls off. So, uh, but to get to your point with, with scouts, I mean, man, it was just, it was unreal. Like you'd just be throwing a side session and, there's scouts at your game just for no reason whatsoever, just cause there's baseball, um, you know, cause the season starts um, on a similar time, you know, as a, on a similar basis as a division one schedule. So, you know, 
you're going in February, March, uh, even January out there because of the heat. But you know, their scouts are just looking for baseball, like actively looking for baseball. We had the D-back scout was like on a first name basis with most of the uh, upperclassmen. It was just totally different animal. Um, was fortunate enough to play with a couple guys that got pro ball opportunities. Um, we even played a team that took, I think, took two of three from Cal State Fullerton in the midweek. Like it was just funny. I mean, we faced a couple kids that were. Uh, I didn't face any first rounders, but we found, faced a bunch of like that second through ten range that kids could just play. And you know, there's nobody coming out of Maine high school ball that's getting drafted, uh, except for last year. I take that back. But even still, it's just it was a different animal, and uh, it was such a fun experience. That's incredible. Like just the the whole stories and like, I can't even imagine walking into a like, literally brand new place and, and yeah. it's a whole different world out there. So like that, that jump, you know, once you go from, you know, a big fish in a small pond, you know, once you kind of get even bigger, uh, you know, it's, it's just a whole different world and, and people, you know, get so hung up on, Oh, you know, I'm the starting pitcher at my high school and, you know, look out, you know, I'm a win state championship, which go ahead, do it. That's awesome. And most of the kids have aspirations of college baseball, but I think there is starting to be um, more, I'd say realistic expectations as far as uh, once main high school baseball season rolls around kids usually know you know, the good ones, oh, these guys have a shot to play in college. You know, it's not like, like you said, there's no um, top five round talents. Usually last year was an exception with Trey Fletcher coming back from New York and lighting up a radar gun. But the kids are are generally catching on to, okay, I've seen, you know, a, a Cody Collins go out and play college baseball. There was me, there was Trevor DeLate, there was... Uh, Andrew Hillier playing at Southern Maine, like there was kind of a wave that people were able to see, you know, all the kids that we played with growing up who made it, you know, got to find a home in college baseball. And uh, so do you kind of think that, that there's a home for everybody in college baseball for the kid who's committed for the kid who really loves baseball and is willing to put the work and you think uh, there's a home for everybody. That's what I believe. I want to see if you're kind of in the same thought. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, everybody's different and everybody is looking for something different in a school. You know, um, if you're going the Division three route, a lot of kids are looking for a good education. If you're going Division two, you're probably a tweener or an AIA. You're like that, I'm too good for Division three, or, you know, like I throw just hard enough to where I, I think I'm above a division three threshold, um, but below division one. Uh, and you can still go get a scholarship at a D2 NAI school. Uh, obviously division one, you know, you probably have aspirations of playing professional baseball or you were, you know, God gifted you with a 90 mile an hour fastball. Uh, but definitely, I mean, as we saw, I mean, we had um, a group of kids that played summer baseball and baseball all year round. and the large majority of those kids played college baseball if they wanted to. And I just think it's really a product of you you get out of the game once you put in it. Um, And that's just something that I, you know, I've always stood by that if, if you're willing to put in the work, you can play college baseball. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, as I learned, uh, you know, 
coming back to a division three school, don't write off a school just because, uh, you know, you can find a different appreciation for everything. Like, uh, like I said, it's just dependent on what you want, what you put into baseball. And then from there, I mean, there's definitely a, a home for everybody in college ball if they want to. That's the biggest thing is if they want it. And uh, yeah. you, you've started to see more, I'm sure, uh, with your own lessons and sort of things that, you know, there's a distinct difference. And that's what I've noticed, too, is between the kids who really want it and the kids who are just like, you know what, I want to have some fun there. And you know, right away too. So uh, for all the kids who are dreaming of it, it's real, you can have it. And the biggest thing that I try to offer as advice is get around people and try to get in contact with people who have done it before because they want to help you. And a lot of the kids just need to put on strength and size. Is that kind of consistent with what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, what you said last, as we were talking beforehand, I mean, you can't, I mean, most people uh, can't throw 90 just with their current body. I mean, you have to put in the work. You have to get your body to where it's explosive enough to be able to handle 90 miles an hour. You know, some guys can throw 90 and their body can't. And those are the kind of guys that a lot of the time you see they make that velo jump and their body can't sustain it and they get hurt or something like that to where, you know, as, I, as I've seen you talk about in your videos, like the body works together as one. Um, and just because you're deadlifting 400 pounds doesn't mean you're going to throw 95, but it does mean that you're taking care of your body and building up a base uh, to put yourself into a position to gain velocity and be able to sustain it. Um, and really it circles back to what you're willing to put into the game. I mean, um, if you, you can definitely float through and ride out on your success in high school and definitely can probably walk on somewhere. I mean, that's just, that's the reality is you can, you can coast and that's fine. Um, baseball is fun. It's a child's game. Uh, I have so many fond memories of playing baseball and that's certainly a way to play. Uh, but you definitely can be around those kids, search out those kids that are goal oriented. Uh, that's like, that's the biggest thing that I teach with my kids is what do you want? Like, what, what do you want out of pitching lessons? What do you want out of high school baseball? Uh, what are your goals? Uh, winning a state championship is great. Uh, you don't have to put in extra work per se to win a state championship. Do you want to play college baseball? You have to put in some work. Do you want to play professionally? You have to put in some work. And that climbs uh, and climbs and climbs. Yeah. Surround yourself with people that know what they're doing. And honestly, my biggest recommendation is to play with kids, play catch with that kid that nobody else wants to play catch with because he throws harder. Like surround yourself with guys that are, are better than you or even that you think are better than you and push yourself to get there. Because I promise you, I was that guy, like I never threw 90, uh, but I always felt like, all right, you're going to throw it 90 at me. I'm going to throw it as hard as I can back at you. Even if that's 88 and that's all I have, I'm going to air it out until my fingers tingle back at you. <laughs> that's the be That's honestly the, the thing with being the kid, like play catch with somebody who you don't want to, who throws too hard. That is some, I'm going to have to steal that because that is some of the best. I mean, it makes perfect sense too. Like you talk about being the kid that 
you don't want to, nobody wants to play catch with you because you throw hard, but what better way to train it than to get in competition with the kid who's blowing you up? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, that's perfect. And it doesn't all happen overnight. It just, you can't just snap your fingers and go from 75 to 95. Yeah. You know? And, and at least in my situation, I, I know, um, you know, my dad played college and professional tennis, a little bit different, but he kind of just let me do my thing growing up and, you know, never really pushed me to go towards baseball. But I just, even there are stories that he will tell that, you know, just letting the kids have fun. And and with me, I would, we would try to play tennis. And I just picked the ball up and chuck it back at him. Like I wouldn't, wasn't really concerned with hitting. I just wanted to throw things. And so like, I think having the kids like being driven by themselves you know it, it comes to a point where you can only push them so hard and and for you specifically having uh, your dad play college baseball growing up what was that kind of like where he has the experience he knows kind of how to groom you into a pitcher when to start throwing curveballs when to you know how to take care of your arm after a game the importance of strength training I know what uh, was kind of that like? Because he coached us growing up, and that was where I leaned into a lot of the stuff that he said because, you know, he's got the experience. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I credit everything that I did, honestly, growing up to my father. I mean, sincerely. I mean, you joke about, like, I was that, like, four-year-old that's hitting curveballs with his orange bat because my dad's just spinning yeah. off breaking balls. When he, <laughs> I like, can see him balls. that, too. And he just, that was, my dad loved baseball and that's definitely something that was passed down. Uh, and like you said, it was never forced on me. Uh, my dad was never like, you're going to play baseball and this is what you're going to do. It was just something that we've always bonded over. So uh, came really easy, but man, you talking about having that edge growing up, especially when, you know, like that mental process really isn't there for a kid yet in baseball. My dad's like, you know, throw this in this count or pitch backwards here or you know it was like the talks of sequencing like my freshman year of high school that you know a lot of kids are just getting on the mound and just throwing so I mean to have him he was never like overbearing either I shouldn't I shouldn't like make it sound like that he wasn't that dad that's like whistling at you in the crowd to like all right do throw this. A curveball, yeah and just I mean quite it. frankly my dad pushed me to do things that I didn't want to do. Like freshman year, I remember throwing a changeup, and uh, it was only because he called it. He called our games at Bangor Christian, and the kid hit it like 400 feet. And I looked at him like as a 14 year old, and like threw my hands up in the air, like that was your fault. And he's like, "No, don't ever throw a pitch that you don't have conviction in. Like you don't want it. Step off the mound, throw something else." Like man, like. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, definitely as far as pitch grips, he dripped on me here and there, but a lot of it I learned on my own too. Like it's not, there's not one way to throw a curveball, and there's not one way to throw a changeup, and there's not one way to throw a fastball. Even it's like, he just really taught me to pitch to your strengths. Cause that's what my dad did. My dad was five, eight, five, nine and played college baseball. Uh, just put everything he could into you know, the fact that he threw mid eighties out of that, like body size, put everything he, he could into it. And, you know, I, I even, if you want to talk baseball strategy, I mean, I, I was a two seam guy, even through college. Like I never threw four seam fastball because I, he always said, if, um, you know, it's like, really there's a difference of like one or two miles an hour. If, 
87 versus 85 really isn't that big of a difference to where you can just throw four seams. He's like, try to get that extra movement and stuff. Just small things here and there that, you know, he would just drip on you to try to give you that extra edge and to think about. And it definitely showed with the track record that you put through high school <laughs> too. Like you carved some people up and we would face in the summertime and, I still, I, I still remember you trying to, I, I was stealing, trying to steal a grip from you. Where's the thumb go? Where's the two? And you all, and that's what it was. See, I even switched it. I had to mess with my own grip so many times and I couldn't get it. Cause for you, I remember a lot, the two seamer especially had that more like run than sink. Arm side. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would, I used to hit back then and it would always jam me up and I was so angry because it's that late movement. And yeah that's another thing too, that you have that extra set of eyes on you to know, okay, Oh, this one, you know, kind of took off on me. What did I do? And those instant fixes, you know, I feel like that's why you had such good stuff growing up. I mean, it's, it's just pitching to your strengths too. Like I was a guy that like, I, I have tiny fingers. Um, so I had more pressure on the ball. Like, so for me, a changeup came really naturally because I naturally like, you put a change up in there and like it's choked pretty good. Like there's not a lot of space in there. So like that ball came out of my hand and fades right off. Um, and like, that's why I threw two seam. I just threw everything. Like I'd get that ball in my glove and everything started here. And it was like, if I want to throw a slider, I just slide the baseball up. If I wanted to, I just go change up. And like, I just, you learn to deal. Like you just play whatever cards you're dealt you just have to that's what you go with like there's nothing that you can do that's going to make your hands bigger there's nothing that you can do that's going to make you six foot five or you know a strong cut build and you're naturally 225 you just have to learn to throw with whatever you have and just maximize that i 100 percent agree with that and the, the way you said it too with just kind of playing the cards you're dealt and 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 kind of recognizing your strengths that's something i'll try to tell the young kids a lot is they're not into the realm of scouting reports and like having an idea of what the hitters weaknesses are, but I will still make it a point to mention, you should always pitch to the, your strengths, not the hitters weaknesses. And I'll say that over and over pitch to the, your strengths, your strengths, not the hitters weaknesses. And they're, they look at me like, but what if he can't hit a slider? I said, okay, do you throw a slider? No. So you're just going to like pull one out of your pocket and like throw a good one. Like, what do you like? No, I, I would throw my curve. And they're just like thinking like, wait a minute, my fastball is pretty good. Let's see if I can hit this. And, and to be scared by, Oh, this guy's got a lot of power. I don't know if I can throw my fastball. Why not? Like you will go watch a batting practice in high school. I tell the kids all the time watch your kids or your friends take batting practice. They know it's going to be a fastball down the middle every time and they still pop it up and get themselves out. That's the beauty of baseball. <laughs> yeah. So I tell them, if you want to find out how good you are, throw your stuff in the zone. The hitters will tell you if it's got some ride on it, they won't hit it. And, and it comes pretty quickly too, where the kids, you know, they get a feel for something where, Oh, you know, when I messed with my grip and I shifted the changeup over, then I really got some action on it. And that's the most fun that I've had with pitching coaching to this point is like being able to help a kid immediately. He's like, you know what? I had always thrown a grip and this lighting is weird, but uh, he's like, oh man, I've always thrown this grip. I just kind of grabbed it. 
palm ball style and chucked it. And I'm like, I think I can help you with uh, some sort of organization of your fingers on the seams, maybe or something like that. And the instant feedback of like, Whoa, that was pretty awesome. And they look back at me like, is that supposed to happen? Like the movement. And is that something you've seen too, where the kids instantly like pick something up and they're like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't always happen. Uh, I mean, no, as I'm sure you're, it's like, that's how pitching is. It's just like, if it doesn't feel good, don't throw it. I mean, it's like, that's what you do. You're like, this is how I threw a changeup and up on us, up on the seams is not how everybody throws a changeup. Like I saw, I saw your, uh, your podcast you did with Cody. That's, that's a professional pitcher that throws a changeup a different way than you. And that's okay. You just throw whatever, you know, however it feels best. That's how you throw it. If you don't like throwing a two seam, throw a four seam. If you don't like throwing a curveball, let's work on a slider. But there's definitely kids here and there that you're like, that light bulb is just so fulfilling. Like I had one kid that just mentally could not comprehend like, all right, like I need to get my wrist around a curveball. Like he was trying to snap it all down like a fastball. I'm like, like what I'm saying to you is not making sense. And I'm like, all right, let's just jam the finger in there and throw in a spike. Like I'm going to force you to do it. And sure enough, just snapped one off. I'm like, there you go. That's because you did it. So I tricked you, but you did it. (laughs) And finding that feeling too. That's the thing that um, extremely helped me in my game was once you get the feeling of something, no matter how weird the coaching cue is, once you feel it, you can stick to it. And I, and I will tell kids all the time, you know, if they throw a really nasty curveball, and I said, well, you've thrown a really nasty curveball before. The, the only difference between you and a college pitcher and a professional pitcher is consistency. How consistent are you throwing your best breaking ball? Can you throw it one out of five times? Can you throw it two out of seven? Are you creeping up to where you're getting eight out of 10, nine out of 10 are your best breaking ball? So that's the only difference. You know, I've had scouts tell me that I've, flashed a big league slider before and the difference to where it's not a consistent big league slider i can't throw it every time and that was the hardest part was you feel it oh dang where let me get that back let me get that back and you find the feeling and you're like "Ooh, there it is so the consistency of it is something that is the ultimate thing with baseball you show up to the field to play 162 games if you're a pro can you do it consistently? And there's no reason that if you throw one nasty curveball, there's no reason you can't have that all the time. You've shown that you can do it. So if your mind believes, okay, I can throw this nasty curveball, and you find the balance of, okay, I'm going to not try to overdo it, and I'm going to just stick to my stuff, throw my game, and there it is. I feel like that's where the light bulb comes into play too. And um, the hardest pitch that I've seen kids struggle with, you know, development wise would be the breaking ball. Is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah. I mean, every kid thinks they throw a breaking ball. I mean, you definitely like you walk in there. Every kid's like, I throw fastball curveball. Okay. Let's see it. Um, yeah. and really like, like you said, that's, it's the progression of, you know, high school. If you have a good, to great curveball in high school, you're probably going to dominate. That's 
That's just the reality. If you have an elite breaking ball, that's typically how it goes. Um, and then, like you said, if if it's Division three, maybe you're like, I can my O two breaking ball is really good, but like I struggle with just getting it over for a strike, and that's okay. And you start progressing up, and you look at those elite guys, like ironic on MLB draft night. You look at those guys that are going first round. And not only is their O2 curveball ferocious, it's that they're even count breaking ball. They're going 3-0 breaking ball, and they're just spotting up everything. And that's really the progression and how it is with all pitches, uh, but especially a breaking ball that, you know, there's nothing more devastating to confidence. Uh, I mean, gosh, I hit through high school. So, I, I mean, I didn't hit in college like you, but, you know, you're you're up an account 3-0 and a kid snaps off a breaking ball and you're like, all right, now my whole approach goes out the window just because, you know, it's in the back of your head now. And I don't know. I mean, I guess backtrack a little bit. I, I feel like I ragged on Division Three. That's not the case at all. I mean, hey, actually, we'll I say – I want to let you tell your story on this too so you can run with yeah. it. Yeah. Take it, take it away. No, I just like – you know, I definitely walked into um, Division Three thinking, all right, like this was below me. Um, and definitely felt that way. I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, but I also will say that I, being in a division three locker room, I've met some of the most devoted kids to baseball that you'll ever be around because they're not there for scholarship money. Uh, a lot of the times you're paying for your gear, you're paying for things here and there. We're paying for our trip down to Florida unless you're fundraising and that's the kids just do it for the love of the game. And, um, sometimes, I mean, there are cases you run into guys that, they're on a college baseball roster because they're there. Uh, they're just good enough to make the roster. But a lot of times you find kids that they're there and they have a story of why they're there. That There's that kid that just couldn't stay healthy. Um, teammate of yours, Jesse Colford, one of my absolute all-time favorite teammates. Just size. Hey, that was his thing, size. And he was just like that kid that always flew under the radar. But, man, you put him on the mound and he was just a bulldog and just – come at you with everything and velocity was you know isn't that division one threshold but the kid could pitch and if you can pitch you can make a college roster and uh, I guess that was like the biggest thing to me is my junior year was really a humbling experience because Ayo was hurt um, but I definitely walked into you know fall practices day one like all right what what do I want I'm going to get there um, which really you know I I ended we we lost to the uh, to Castleton that won the NAC our division in, uh, and that was how our season ended in the conference playoffs. And I just decided after that, I'm like, you know, I'm going to spend all summer getting right. Like that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever it takes to go into senior year to get healthy. Um, and was fortunate to find the same physical therapist that you worked with, uh, Derek Lupin. That goodness, I couldn't shout out enough. If you're a kid in the local area and your arms messed up, go see him. He's a fantastic. He is fantastic. And, you know, he was able to get me right and really just got me into that mentality uh, that fortunate I was able to grow up a little bit coming back to and just be like, you know, it's not really about that. It's not about getting drafted anymore. It's about like, just leave everything on the table. Like, don't, I was walked into senior year. I'm like, I'm just going to have no regrets. That's it. Like I'm going to put everything I can into this year and whatever happens happens. And, you know, I'm really fortunate to look back on um, everything that happened in my college baseball career, high school baseball career, uh, and just 
I'm fully satisfied. Like I, I'm fully satisfied with how things went just because you get yourself in that mindset of let's lay it all on the table and whatever happens happens. And you know, that was the closure that I really needed um, that everybody comes to at some point. Uh, but definitely again, to circle back, don't write off a school just because uh, like the school I went to happened to be right down the road from me. My, I played all my summer baseball games there. I'm like, there's not a chance I'm ever going to Husson. And sure enough, that's where I ended up. So um, shirt on tonight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just happened to be, (laughs) Yep. but no, I mean, it was a good time and goodness. Yeah. You just, that's what you uh, can that's what I, I love the story too. You brought up Jesse Colford. I love that guy. He yeah, same. like, he made it all the way through high school baseball, getting cut one year and making it to division three, you know, I exactly. had a solid career there too. When you uh, came back from Arizona Christian, was that after your sophomore year or did you register your freshman year? How did that whole thing go? So I did redshirt after freshman year and I did actually have another year, um, but I got married instead. So, so um that one was hard to justify to just go back one more year for just baseball so (laughs) but i mean yeah gosh it was really on a whim i'll be honest because uh it was really difficult to leave arizona christian i had a lot of good friends uh two guys in particular that actually flew up from hawaii and phoenix to be in my wedding um just i had some outstanding teammates out there and really, really learned a lot. Um, and quite frankly, if I w- could have stayed healthy, I, you know, was looking forward to be in the rotation. I'd started to move towards a bullpen role and was ready to go. Um, but just decided uh, it was more of a personal thing. Uh, decided to come back here and Jesse was one of the kids, even though, well, Jesse actually was there both years, but he was one of the kids instantly that you connect with that you can just tell like that, that kid has it like that kid, Absolutely. This game means something different to him. And like I said earlier, those are the kids you want to play catch with. Those are the kids you want to surround yourself with. Uh, I look back fondly on Jesse and I were had the same start day. So we'd always condition together and run poles and all that fun stuff that college pitchers get to do after starts and in between starts and everything. And I look back on that fondly just because the kid genuinely loved being there and genuinely loved baseball. Like the kids that like want to talk strategy with you unprovoked, those are the kids that you find the dugout. That That's just, that's what you have to do. Find the kids that are going to push you to be better personally and find the kids that are going to be, you know, help you be better as a baseball player. Um, yeah, that's- yeah. I mean, speak, not to make this all, I mean, if he ever sees this, not to make this like the Jesse Colford segment, but I mean, he's just one of those kids that that's like the ideal teammate that you want to look for. Those are the kids you want to find uh, to push you and get better. 100%. I'm going to make sure that I can <laughs> tell him to check this out because the, the audience is slowly growing. I've got to be honest. We're getting, getting up there. I, I took a little break with the podcast. I, I, uh, got too many things going at once but the viewership is going up and you're going to be bringing some guests i mean some uh some audience from arizona maybe for this show and uh i think too the whole thing with the main baseball academy that you've got going on up there you want to you want to speak on that for a little bit i sure i mean honestly um it was something that i put together with some other coaches that uh 
work in small schools. I coach at a class D school, um, do it for fun, not because like there's money or anything like that. It just, uh, was a cool opportunity to give back to the school that I, you know, am very proud of going to and everything like that. Um, so we, we kind of put together the idea of like, we definitely don't want to rival sluggers or anything like that. That was never the intention because I have friends that work there. My former college coach is like the director of baseball operations there. It was just really to give the kids in the small communities, the attention that they want and need uh, just to grow as baseball players. I mean, um, as you said, you had Cody Lawyerson on here. Cody's like the prime example of that kid that, very, very, very small town that probably got overlooked. Uh, and if it wasn't for summer ball, probably would have gone down as a dominant kid that went to Valley High School. And if he never wanted to play college baseball, that's You'd it. You'd never hear of it. Yeah, yeah he yeah. just, you know, if summer baseball wasn't a thing and he didn't love baseball, uh, he just would have been one of those kids that was won a couple state championships at Valley. And that's great. But we want to be that outlet for kid X at a small high school that really loves baseball and has a, has good tools, maybe can't afford to go to sluggers or can't make the drive into Bangor or anything like that. Um, and just work with them one-on-one. Um, it's not even like money oriented. I just love baseball. Um, like to get back to the small communities that I was a part of as well in high school. So, um, yeah, definitely. If you're interested, I'm happy to do trainings. Uh, if you want to, play division one check out justin <laughs> no 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 come on Justin's now. a stud we can um, we gotta do a little big clinic or something too get no, I know. in the area together because uh that's i think that's just exposure too and with For the sure. kids that especially that you're going after with you know a, a smaller uh, a smaller school let's say or just a lower populated area than you know Bangor, Maine only has 33,000 people as it is, but there's still a, a bunch of kids that are going to be getting some extreme value from working with you. And, um, and that's what I hope to provide the kids that I come in contact with, you know, if they have big aspirations, you know, I'm still trying to play baseball for as long as I can too. So if I can help in any way, please let me know. I'd be happy to, to come up and, and check out the Academy. It's a sick name, Maine baseball Academy. I, if I ever have a facility, I can't copy that name. So. Right. It's just so funny. It's so different. Like we're talking about the small town communities and I had a buddy that like didn't make the varsity team till his senior year and he threw 88. So <laughs> it's just a totally different, totally different animal. And you know, you could be one of those kids in a bigger state. That's like, yeah, I just, I need somebody to work with. I mean, reach out to the people that are willing to provide that remote training, reach out to the driveline guys, like find the outlets that are going to make you better. I mean, um, when I, I wish driveline was around was I, when I was in high school, like my freshman, sophomore year of college, like we were talking about, it was so new that like nobody would, everybody was kind of hesitant. They're like weighted balls. Do we do weighted balls? Do we not do weighted balls? And they've really kind of revolutionized everything and shown with scientific data that like this works, you get better, you stay healthy, stick to this training and we can make it work. You just have to find those outlets at, that. I mean, everything, it, whether it's flat run app on Twitter, pitching ninja, find yourself the resources, they're all there. 
And now it's especially with the social media aspect, that's a very good point that it, they're out there, you know, and people are willing to do things for free. There's so many people that love the game of baseball and, um, you know, just ask too, and, and don't be afraid. Like I'm, I've never tried it, but I'm sure if you were to email or DM or some, send us some sort of message to a driveline CEO or something like that, they, I'm sure it would take the time to say, Hey, you know, maybe I'm not the guy to answer your question, but you will find answers somewhere. And I think too, just for the, for the young kid that is trying to look for more stuff, do your research. Like it's not going to be that hard to find people to, to tap into. And, and even in the local area, as small as uh, Bangor, Maine, and even, you know, Portland is still small when you compare it to other super, super big cities and high school sports and all that sort of thing. So New England baseball, I hope, is going to continue to get even bigger. There's some uh, Boston area teams that are making some noise. Boston College is going to have a top 10 pick next year, I think, in their, uh, in their draft, maybe. I know that's what's going on on ESPN right now. But uh, Northeastern's got a kid. I think the Sox drafted him last year. Sebastian Keene, he was like, he'll be like a first, second round kid in a couple of years, too. That's going to be fun to watch. And I think it's just, it's, it's just a slow burn too, especially with the kids up here is uh, you're kind of like, how did, uh, how did you come out of nowhere and nobody noticed you? And I think too, a lot of the development programs that are happening around the state of Maine, uh, I'm pretty sure are going to turn into some pretty solid dudes at all levels of college baseball. You know, they're going to find uh, there's a kid from South Portland high school going to Vanderbilt next year, Hunter Owen. I got to work with him for a minute. He is going to be a beast. There's Noah Lewis coming up to Maine. There's starting to be more and more Division One talent uh, coming out of Maine. So I hope with this whole podcast and pitching business thing that I've got going on that I can shed some more light on the Northeast. And um, there's some dudes up here and, and the younger kids too, uh, the more access that they have to the weighted baseball training. And you would have been absolutely insane at – the year 2014, if you had weighted baseballs that you were throwing around, like, absolutely. I, I can't even imagine the looks that because the, the, and people should know that are listening, the old guard that was around for the Bangor area of baseball would have not approved of anybody carrying anything, but a five ounce baseball around. It was an instant eye roll. Sincerely. I mean, like the word, like the phrase weighted baseballs, people were like, no, Bad for your arm. No. Instant injury. Never. Instant injury. Tommy John. Stop. Don't touch it. I mean, we still got him anyways, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and and they're they're a tool. Just like any other, you know, product that you're gonna try to be sold on the internet, it's a tool and everybody's gonna have different uses for it. Um, it's gonna provide value to some more differently, more better, whatever, whatever word you want to spin on it, it's going to provide different feedback for different players. And um, I know for, for my programs specifically, um, I like a lot of the driveline slash weighted ball training as more of a warm Um, Is there something that you incorporate in yours that you don't have to share your secret sauce, but is there something that you like to incorporate with weighted balls? Definitely. Like you said, uh, warm up with plyos every time. Um, get yourself loose, but I mean, I'm not trying to have kids air out plyos. That's not, not the idea, but uh, if you've ever thrown them, um, 
throwing a regular baseball after warming up with plyos going through that, it feels like you're throwing air. And that's exactly when you can jump into stuff and actually get work done is in the fact that your arm feels good after too. Um, and it's, uh, the thing I will caution people is don't take, don't pick and choose driveline things just like anything else. Don't, don't be like, yeah, I'm just going to hammer these plyos and I'm going to hammer out this one throw cause I like it. And here I go. I just want to do 15 sets of walk in windups and I'm going to get on a mound and then I'm going to throw 90. That's how you hurt yourself. Make sure if you're using them to warm up, make sure you also like decelerate with them as well. Like do that cool down with them as well. So definitely don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Very good word of caution on that too, because once you get, and especially uh, if you get that gray ball, the underload, yeah, the walking wind up with that, you will be hooked on. Oh my god, that just came out, and the wall is close <laughs> to you, so you're like, that came out at a hundred, like, <laughs> and uh, you got to be smart with it. And that's what us coaches are here for: is to not let you run yourself through a brick wall, just trying to rip plyos as hard as you can. There is a time and place, and obviously. Um, you know, that's going to start to pop up and be more commonplace. So, uh, do your research hundred percent. You guys broke anything yet? We threw one through a wall. Um, don't recommend, but it was a good memory. <laughs> I was, I, uh, the only time that I had something break was I was throwing on a, you know how you can have like a pad up on a fence. Like it's yep. almost like a portable wall basically. Yep. I have ripped through the wall pad before and didn't really think anything of it. You know, I was like, whatever. And then I popped the ball. I threw it in the same spot that it ripped and there was just a sharp piece of fence. So I was like, Oh, I just broke a plyo ball, but not really. Like, I've luckily been, it, we had a, a wall at Maine that um, looks solid enough to throw plyos off of and somebody threw one straight a reverse throw with a four pound ball and they were ripping that's them. impressive <laughs> and they were ripping them through like this is a sheet of plywood that just came down but it was like uh let's not throw those here <laughs> so you exactly gotta have to the for that we did a walk-in wind up with the blue ball and see ya right through right through plywood. I had to like reach my hand down in some insulation in the wall. And I'm like, I got the ball. So that's all that matters. But you want to pay for a new one. Now I'm going to call the owner to fix the wall. <laughs> but Not yeah, bad. sure. That's the best. I mean, and the kids too are going to, that's going to become more commonplace in, um, you know, I haven't seen it as much in a team setting where it, at least around here, the, the kind of training styles have been a little bit slower to move. Yeah. Um, with as far as team practice, but I think on the individual slash private training fronts, a lot of kids are going to get more access to it. And then it'll kind of push, push the coaches to say, okay, let's take a little extra time for warm up. I know we're slotted an hour, but maybe they'll show up to the field a little bit early and try to get things done. So, um, you know, I preach a lot about warming up and arm care with my whole experience with the Tommy John surgery. And for sure, kids will always say, when did you first hit 90? And da, da, da. and I was like, well, I hit it when I was young, you know, 16 years old, but I had no, I went to the pool after I didn't even like care about my, I was like, this was fun. We had a game. We'll go do it again tomorrow. I didn't pitch two days in a row, but I 
just played the outfield the next day. And there was no, I mean, it just wasn't a thing. And you don't know what you don't know when you're 16 years old, 17 years old, whatever. But now that I do know, that's the number one thing I'll try to pass along. And is there like one final note that you'd want to share with, with anybody listening as far as uh, it could be a younger kid or, or anybody in particular? I mean, there's so many things that you could say to kids in the local area. Um, just to build off what we were just talking about, though, um, our spring seasons are really short. Um, and even summer, you know, it's a blast. Summer ball's great, but it goes by really quickly. Um, and not to pump up my coaching or anybody's coaching in particular, but get help in the off season. The, that's the time where you get better because it's really hard to build velocity in season. That kind of happens naturally, but you can't, like, we can't put you into full on velocity building in season. It's just, it's not safe. It's not healthy for your arm. Uh, and that's just where that off season training is really helpful. So seek out somebody that you feel like you can get better with, uh, can be a personality thing. It can be, I watched this kid, I watched this guy throw at Maine or I watched this guy throw at this place. Or I remember that guy just reach out to somebody and get that extra bit of training that you just can't fit in, in your normal spring and summer. And, uh, man, I love New England baseball so much. I like, I have so much pride when kids come out of Maine and out of their local region and do big things. So uh, just take that upon yourself and try to run with it because that is the fun part about being from a small town is when you go big, people remember you for a long time. I couldn't have, couldn't have wrapped it up any better than, than that right there, my friend. So that's, that's the episode right there. Thank you for, for coming on and, and taking the time to uh, to share some wisdom and, and share your whole entire journey with college baseball. I appreciate it. You bet. Best of luck to everybody.